Hello, Doobie listeners. My name is Adam Venrick, and you are listening to The Coffee Hour, and I am here to tell you that today's guest rocks, or rather, sediments. My guest today is geo student, that's geology student, Laura Lapham, my old friend, um, here to talk to us about spillways, one particular spillway in particular, the Bonacari Spillway, and her research into it. Laura, how the heck are you? I'm doing pretty good there. Um, yep, ready to talk about sedimentation and all the stuff that I think a lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, you are you are a geology student. Um, that is one thing I typically associate you with. Um, and you you are doing research, or you have done research in the past, um, or you're continuing to do research, I believe, on uh, the Bonicare spillway. Um, Laura, for our listeners, because I had never heard of it before you, uh, you sent me your research. What is, uh, what is a spillway? First of all. All right. So the Bonicare spillway and a lot of other spillways like it mm-hmm. is a man-made, man-made almost, a tr- I, don't, I don't think I'd describe it as a trench, but almost like this man-made, uh, structure mm-hmm. that, uh, allows river allows uh, water from a river to be redirected into somewhere else and to help us uh, stop flooding mm-hmm. for example the bonacary spillways purpose is that there is a dam that connects it to the mississippi okay. if the mississippi floodwaters are too high and risk possibly flooding new orleans and like areas uh south of new orleans and the uh, on the mississippi river delta they will open the spillway and it'll redirect the water flow out into lake pontchartrain interesting uh, and this also it also leads to a lot of deposition of whatever's in that water. And that would be sediment deposition. Sediment, organics, everything that got everything that was uh, too big and fat to keep going in the water. And what is sediment for our listeners? Um, sediment is, uh, it is usually, uh, what's the word, uh, eroded and uh, weathered rock that mm-hmm. you can find suspended or like in bed load, um, rolling along the ground of a river. It is mostly mature at that point. So it's like very, uh, it's like a lot of quartz. Honestly, it's mostly quartz. Um, but also sediment can be, um, a lot of things. It could be, um, you can have carbonate sediments, so things that are organic. You can have inorganic sediments. Sediment, I just kind of think of it as weathered rock mm-hmm. um, particles that have found their way into the system and either stay in stay in uh stay in movement or deposit themselves somewhere over yonder and and when these things clump together they then become sedimentary rock is that correct yep whenever they uh whenever they uh come together and they solidify uh it becomes a sedimentary rock Mm -hmm. as many of you guys know sandstone you see it everywhere it is true um that's very cool uh i think I've taken a geoscience class at Denison, and sedimentary rocks are definitely my favorite of the three main rocks. Um, But, uh, Laura, I'm curious. um, What, uh, do you consider yourself primarily, like, someone interested in sediment? Is that where the bulk of your research lies? Um, My research has always been around sedimentation processes, and also I've been looking a lot at organic fractions and the organic part of sediment, because 
it isn't all just little quartz particles or whatever else you find in your sediment, depending on how, like, uh, I don't know, how mature it is or how much it has gone through uh, the weathering process or erosion. Um, it's a lot of just kind of the organic particles that are in there, whether they're from, like, organic detritus, mm -hmm. possibly some old stuff like coal, organics that got eroded. I, I look at the organics a lot, but I'm really interested in all the sedimentation. And also just how we get sediment. I like rivers and mm -hmm. sediments in rivers, so that's how it works. If it's if it involves a river, I'll like it. <laughs> I love that, um, Laura. How did you get interested in sedimentology and geosciences more broadly? Well, first they involved rivers, okay. and that's basically how it goes. It's like jangling keys. It's very easy to get me interested in something if it can involve a river okay. or water processes or. Anything close to that, I just really, I, I liked creeks growing up and that never went away. Um, I got interested in geoscience because it just felt so real to me, mm -hmm. just getting to see uh, almost science applied and understand, learning more about how the world works. It's so fun to go on walks now and being able to look around and be like, I understand how this rock might have might have formed or what's going on over here and almost being able to see the little clues out in nature. And also, yeah, sedimentation is pretty cool. I like seeing how uh, river river deltas are built. It's part of my whole love for rivers in general. And sedimentation processes are very fascinating because I feel like no, it's uh, before geology. I didn't really think about all the particles that were in the water. Mm -hmm. Now I think about it a lot. Of course, um, Laura. That's a good. That's a good uh, segue to jump into uh, into questions about your research um you're doing research as we said on the bonicare spillway um which you said is in mississippi no no, no it's in louisiana louisiana it's um, it's part of the mississippi river there we go it's it's right on the fan we're looking at like we're right above new orleans you we, we were in new orleans while we uh we stayed in new orleans and drove out to our site when we did our research very fun for like collecting samples well, so I want to ask you, um, I know you went on a research trip um, down to Louisiana, um, but tell me about the research that you're doing into the spillway. Um, right now, we're kind of just processing through samples, if you want to know the day-to-day -day right now. <laughs> like, I was just talking to Anjali 30 minutes ago, and she told me, it's like, oh, I took your samples out of the oven, and I'm like, thank you, Anjali. Oh. Is it that late in the day already? <laughs> um who is who, who and, is this person that you're referring to for our listeners? I know who she is, oh, but sorry, Anjali Fernandez, uh, Dr. Anjali Fernandez. Yeah. She is uh, the she is one of the um, leaders of this project, mm -hmm. uh, my research advisor, mm -hmm. and yeah, she she is the head honcho of uh, the Denison research team. She is the professor behind this. Yeah, and she is a sedimentologist as well, if I'm remembering. Yep, she is a sedimentologist trained and got the PhD for it all. Very, very cool. Um, I will give a shout out to her as she was my geology teacher as well. Um, but yes, we were talking about your research before we got sidetracked. Um, what is, what is your research? Um, more broadly speaking than just analyzing sample data. Um, well, I'm, we're, I'm specifically looking at the organic fraction and I'm thinking about 
how much in different facies of the sediment, because uh, for those who don't know, when sediment's deposited, it deposited, deposits in a lot of different ways. It can build up. It can like just kind of keep rolling down. You have dunes. You can look at how it's deposited in dunes. You can look how it's deposited when it's just building up around the dunes. It's like, it's almost kind of like you got suspended load versus bed load. Um, and you can tell the difference of it based on like how it's interacting with some of the facies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at how organic matter is deposited differently in those facies. And then we're thinking about how that, and also I'm thinking about more broadly, how much organic matter is constrained within those facies. Because as you guys know, carbon in the atmosphere, specifically in the form of CO2, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit too much of it and it's causing a lot of issues. So the idea is if it's not, in the atmosphere, if we are, if the idea is thinking about how much carbon is being constrained within the sediment processes, because it's in the ground, it's not in the atmosphere. And it could be in thinking about how much is being taken out and also looking at how much uh, the sediment being deposited is building it. Because another thing is that the Mississippi River Delta is sinking because yeah. the sediment is compressing on itself mm. and it's slowly but surely sinking into the ocean. Not just the, not just the water is rising, the land is sinking. There are two processes going on there. Interesting. So also looking at like how this stuff is being built as well. There's a lot of questions going on, a lot of fun stuff. Well, and I'm curious. A lot of, this is a big project with more than just me. Like people right. from other universities are working on this too. Fascinating. Um, so Laura, why, why is, uh, I want to back up real quick. You were saying, um, I don't think I'd heard this term before. Forgive me if I'm getting it wrong. Something like faith sheets or phase sheets or... Um... Faith sheets. W- what is that? Faith sheets is pretty much... Um... Huh, what is a good way to describe faith sheets? Uh, it's pretty much the structures you're looking at whenever you um, are observing uh, sediment, either if it's like solidified in rock form mm-hmm. or if it's just... Like what we did, we actually dug trenches and we would smooth out the sides with machetes. Interesting. Um, so that we could be able to see the facies better. But pretty much it's like um, characteristics that are, are expressed in the formation of the rock that you can see like on the outside of it. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorites is you can see you can see like dune formations in the sense of you'll see these like I'm the best I could usually you'll see them almost like based from original horizontality. You'll see these lines at an angle and that's just like the uh, front of that's just part of a dune moving through time that you can see. Interesting. Um, Laura, I'm curious. You mentioned um, not only is the water around the Mississippi Delta rising, but that the Delta itself is sinking. Um, Why is why is the Delta sinking? Well, the sediment in there, it's deposited and, okay, this is simple. Have you ever stepped on the sand at a beach and then you sink down a little bit? Yeah. Well, all the sediment that gets deposited on the delta, there's a lot of pore space in between that sediment. There's a lot of air in there. Mm. It's it's light. It's fluffy. It's like <laughs> snow. We can relate this to all that snow. Yeah. While over time... It starts to compress because of all the weight that's put onto it. Mm-hmm. And just over time, the air escapes and everything just starts to compress down. Interesting. And that's what's been going on. But in the past, it wasn't too big of a deal because there wasn't a lot of like, fl- like there were people there or the people were there were aware of how things went. But with like modern technology and modern stuff, um, 
people have like with like western ideas of building you people have started to constrain the river so it doesn't flood out like it usually does Mm -hmm. and there isn't as much wide sedimentation on top of the delta so it's almost like there was like a renewing of the top of the delta where it would like build up more sediment as it got compressed now there just isn't anything so it's just sinking down and getting lower interesting and so how does the spillway affect this well the spillway is stopping the flooding that's would be depositing stuff but the spillway is very interesting because uh it's open whenever the spillway is open all this water comes rushing through and let's say for like six months or however long it's open there's all this water rushing through and then they close it and then the area dries out Interesting. so you get to see all the deposited sediment hanging out in this spillway without any of the water and you can go through and you can like cut into it and see what it looks like you can take samples to see what it looks like and that's all sediment from the mississippi river that has been eroded and is in transport all the way down so you can kind of get to look down and you almost get like a little snapshot of this greater process that's going on. And it's really nice because when the spillway closed, you get to see stuff that would normally not be above water. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm curious. Um, this is just me making an inference off of something that you, um, you brought up earlier. Uh, you make it sound as though... Um, climate change is impacting this process uh, with the CO2 present. Um, How has climate change impacted this region? Um, Climate change has impacted uh, the Mississippi River Delta. Mm -hmm. Well, one, it's getting warmer and hurricanes are there. there People talk about the hurricanes and how they might be getting worse. I don't, I actually don't know much about that whole thing scientifically. That's not my wheelhouse, Yeah, but that's what I hear. Um, yeah, I hear that too. Uh, and water's rising, hurricanes are worse. Uh, there's also the idea that like there's a lot, there's also a changing, and this is thing I know about from hydrology. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a changing in how precipitation uh, precipitation rates and like just the uh, climate of different areas because of global warming. And you you hear the story of wet is getting wetter and dry is getting drier. Mm-hmm. But there are there are examples of where dry is getting wetter and wet is getting drier. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, at least for part, at least for um, Northeast America, which is where the Mississippi, a lot of Mississippi River comes from, uh, it's getting wetter, and that can also that could affect the fact that how much water is coming down the Mississippi River. Interesting. But that's just that's just some stuff I've learned from class mixed in with some stuff that I've observed. But like, there's these bigger floods coming down. You have to think about like. How much water can the city take? There's also a human component of this, which is uh, the uh, fact that there is a town, there's a city there that is important, that has a lot of cultural history and a lot of people there. Um, And you're trying to think about like, okay, it's sinking, things are rising. What are the rates? How fast are things being deposited? And there's just so many questions we have in order to think about, um, to possibly get people to look at more like a... um, um, a more human lens. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Interesting. Sorry. No, it's all right. Um, so if I'm understanding correctly, and please uh, do correct me if, I, if I've if i made a, a misstep, um, you make it sound like because, um, because there is now more flooding in the region, um, the spillway could become overburdened and that could uh, wreak havoc on... New Orleans? 
I will say that the spillway, um, the spillway doesn't go into New Orleans. It just okay. directs water away. Okay. Um, it's being opened earlier and for longer than it has in the past. Mm. Um, there's only so much I can say because we haven't really finished our research, of our course. data. But these are things we talk about. Okay. Um, where uh, the Bonacary Spillway is being opened up more and more, and it's redirecting uh, waters away from New Orleans so it doesn't flood there, and pausing it in the in the spillway so we can go look at it all nice and cool. <laughs> um, also, stuff in Lake Pontchartrain. We also went out to Lake Pontchartrain and took samples, and that was interesting. Um, but also just a lot of looking around and trying to think about like, all right, things are changing. And one article we read for uh, this trip was that we can't always look at the past and see how things have been, but try to figure out how things are going to be mm. because with climate change and all these changing factors, like we've talked about rising waters of the ocean. We've talked about sinking. We've talked about floods. There's so much going on and we don't know. And you can't always look at the past and try to figure out what the future is going to be like because the past didn't have the current problems we're dealing with. That data doesn't apply almost 100% to what we're having now. That's a paper we read um, in relation to this trip. I can't remember the author for the life of me. Sorry to the author of that. It was a wonderful paper. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, so we're basically living in unprecedented times, geologically speaking. Like, that's a big statement. Well. Um <laughs> We're, everything's new ground if you don't know a lot about it yet. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say that because that's, that's really big. Yeah, um, yeah. It, well, yeah. But we're living in, there's a lot of unknowns, but there's a lot of things we're trying to know. There's a lot of good people working on it. Cool. Um, so I, I'm very curious, um, getting back to the original thing we talked about, which is um, sediment. Why is uh, why is sediment important to study? Well, it's a big factor in almost, almost in every stream. Mm -hmm. uh, we all depend on it. A lot of the rocks underneath our feet are depending depend on it. Uh, mm -hmm. It helps build where you live. It's important to a lot of building processes. Um, I personally am not a, a fan of Anakin Skywalker's take on sand. <laughs> I think it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Um, you don't agree that it's coarse and it, what else does he say? It's coarse it and it gets coarse. everywhere. I can't. I will admit yeah. I was very shocked when we were on the field, like when we were out in the field, mm -hmm. I only heard that quote two times. That is good. That shows incredible maturity and respect for the profession. I think. But, I think it showed the fact that we were actually dealing with really fine sand, so it wasn't exact. It, it didn't feel uncomfortable, at least at least in my perspective. It I've I've been in sand that's been coarser, and it's way more uncomfortable than like what we were in. It was very, for lack of better words, and not scientifically, just as a human being, it felt very fluffy. Interesting. I you know you never think of sand being fluffy, but uh, I, yeah, I think but I can... sand's just a grain size. It can it can be a variety of sizes it's a it's a range you're on the lower end of that range i guess but we haven't we haven't really looked at much of the grain size data yet so i can't tell you too much on it scientifically i can just tell you my uh qualitative human feeling of fluffy very interesting um one last thing i, I want to talk about the methodology of the uh, research that you're doing 
Um, you mentioned earlier something about... I forget exactly what you said it was. Is something to the effect of samples in an oven or baking samples? That sounds wrong. Oh, yeah. You have to dry out the samples, so you put them in an oven for okay. a time so they dry out. But we're working on the methodology. That is actually something that I've been talking a lot about this week. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I'm going to uh, write up, help write up a good methodology packet over the next few days. So. That is a very, that is a question I need to ask myself a little bit, <laughs> but we have a methodology going together. It's right now in the process of figuring stuff out and we have a, we have a good idea. Now we just have to write it all down and make it look all nice. So someone could come in and read our methodology and do those, do the samples the way we need them and people would understand how we did things. Interesting. Um, and then, uh, I guess my, my final well, not my final question, but um, the thing I've been sort of building to about your research is what is it um, What is it you hope to learn about the spillway in the end? Oh, oh, so many things. Okay. I want answers to so much. I want to know how much organics were in the... Because the thing is, it's a very personal experience going out and getting the samples yourself. And there's okay. a lot of qualitative things you notice that you can't really... Qualitative. You can't really put them down numerically. Like... Oh, look at this. That's interesting. Ah, this sand feels fluffy is my good example right here. Or little things I noticed in the uh, field, like, wow, this sand is like, some of the sediment is like really black. I mm. don't know what that is. Mm. And every time I ask a professor, they give me a different response. <laughs> um, how much of this is really organic? How is it all depositing? It's like, there's a lot of fun questions. And also looking on how to apply it. It's like, how does this help people and the people of the Missis who live in the Mississippi River Delta not have all, not face the music completely on all the issues they have with like this River Delta sinking? I'm sorry, that's not the best way to put no, that. No, it's quite all right. I, I suppose my question is like... Um... You know what would this what would this tell you about the spillway if you were able to determine like organic matter present in it? Not just the spillway, but the Mississippi River Delta. Because yeah. all this water in the spillway is coming from the Mississippi River. The spillway is just a little like lens that we can look at stuff through. Right. It's our little telescope. Right. Right. So it'll tell us about the spillway. It'll tell us about how much organic matter is being constrained, so we can think about like all right, how much is constrained, how much is being taken almost out of the system in a sense. And it's that system that is leading to issues like with global warming. If it's not in the system, it's out of it. Um, also thinking about how much is being deposited, uh, where can it go, how can it help people. Also thinking about like, I don't know, there's a lot of questions here. <laughs> no, I, I think that's good. So what, what I'm getting from you is that like, are you still in the early phases of this research then? Uh, it's been over a year, but also with COVID, things kind of slowed down a little bit. We couldn't run samples over the summer because it was, uh, well, we were all home. So I did a lot of reading this summer, um, but we couldn't really do much on actually like running samples. That's what we've been doing this semester so far. I ran some samples the other day. It was very exciting to finally get to do that. I've of been looking course. forward to it. When um, when did you take these yeah. samples? What? When did you take these samples? Back in November of 2019. Wow. Wow. So yeah, it's been over a year. Um, and it's fascinating looking back on it and just thinking about it's like, that was a long time ago. It trying really to was. remember 
we did and why. It's also been like, it's also been a lot of fun relearning, looking at old photos of what we did and where we took these samples and also cursing myself because I look at my own photos and I'm like, why did I not take a second photo of this? My first one was blurry. <laughs> well, um, Laura, before I let you go, um, question I've always wanted to ask a geologist, what's your favorite rock? Oh my goodness. That is a hard question. I asking me to pick like a favorite child. Or a favorite mineral, if you prefer. Ooh, also difficult. I know. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny thing is that every time someone asks that question, there's always one rock that comes to mind immediately, but yeah. I have no idea why. Yeah. I've always thought Arcos was very cool. It's like very immature sandstone, mm -hmm. very red. Mm -hmm. um, it's immature in the sense that like a lot of minerals that would be like completely broken down by that point, usually in like, uh, usually whenever it's like solidified, um, are, are actually present. Like you get muscovite, which mm -hmm. really, I think muscovite, yeah, that really isn't present in um, a lot of rocks because it breaks down really quickly. Mm -hmm. Or I think that's how it is. Sorry. Um, no, it's all right. Don't worry. One of my professors will. One of my professors will hear this and fact check me. I am sure of it. It's all right. I'm nodding along right now because I I'm rem I'm flashing back to a year and a half ago when I took geology and that sounds right. I remember hearing about how muscovite does wash away quite quickly. Um, yeah, very flimsy. I think you remember it's like um, kind of like almost like a sheet. It's like very thin sheets. Yeah, but yeah, 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 it yeah. breaks down. It breaks down really quickly, and I don't know. It looks pretty. I like it. It makes me smile. I think it's name. I think it's name's nice. I think that's what brought it to me originally. I liked the name. <laughs> I I agree. It's I'll I'll give Muscovite some props. It's got a nice name. It's got a pretty coloring, and it's also yeah. It's very fun just to to feel in your hands because it's just a. It's like the baklava of the natural world in that it's just a bunch of flimsy sheets. It is very fascinating, but there's so many rocks out there that are very cool. It's fun to look at fossils. It's fun to look at sediment rocks. It's fun to look at, um, oh, peritititis. Very pretty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wow. love that green color. So nice. I always like that when you can find something in nature that's like uh, just a very different color from from everything else. Like there's almost nothing blue in nature. Um, so whenever you can find a naturally occurring blue thing, I think it's wonderful. Yep. Blake, that's right. Yeah. I said that correctly. Okay. Well, Laura, Oops, rocks and mints was a long time ago and I'm starting to remember it. No, wait. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to remember muscovite does breaks down actually really late. It's like quartz. Ooh. All right. So any professors are going to fact check me. I realized what I said was wrong and I've been thinking about it, but that still does not stop the fact that Arcos is really immature. Interesting. I'm sorry I said Muscovite. Strike so, it from the record. Is Muscovite not the one with the layers? It is it is the one with the layers, but it stays around for a long time. I, I had a I had a sinking feeling in my heart that I had kind of put it at the wrong part of like the series of what breaks down quickly and slowly. Well, it's all olivine right. breaks down quickly, and olivine's green and pretty. Mm. Well, you you've amended it now, and I think um, I think we're we're good. Um, Laura, is there anything you wish I had asked you that I didn't ask you? Um, I don't know. Maybe about more of like I guess this might be a more individual interview, but there's a lot of people working on this project, and I wanted to 
talk about. This was also a project trying to get like a lot of people who aren't usually represented in geosciences mm. an opportunity to uh, like be part of it. For example, it's like trying to have a lot of women and people of color mm -hmm. were very much involved on this project and still are. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different kinds of people being present in this project, and there's a big push for like having more diversity in geoscience because that's a problem in geoscience now like not having enough. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know too much about this. I actually, um, there's other people, I, there's people out there who know more about this, but I know that there's a big part of this project. I'm trying to um, have uh, more diversity. I'm the one who knows about the car carbonates. Um, Ariel, she knows about the uh, anthropogenic part of this. Mm -hmm. But from what, I'm, from what I've read and what I know and what has been informed of me, that is a big part of this project and trying to make sure there's more representation and more opportunities for those who usually don't receive them in the geosciences. And I'm just happy to be part of so many, so many people with so many good people working on this. That's great. Um, Laura, thank you for your time. Laura Lapham, everyone, uh, a first rate geologist in my opinion, but um, Laura, thank you again for your time. Doobie listeners, I have been Adam Venrick. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour, and I will see you next week.